This is the Mormon Expression Podcast. Find us on the web at mormonexpression.com. Okay, welcome back to another edition of Mormon Expression. I'm your host, John Larson. Tonight, we're joined by a few of our regular panelists for another um, awe-inspiring discussion. First of all, we have Zilpha. Hello. And we have George. Hi, everybody. And we have Tom. Hey, what's up, guys? Tonight, we're joined by a guest who's going to kind of walk us through our topic. We have Glenn Oslin. Um, Glenn is a graduate of BYU, and um, he did a master's degree um, in, uh, from Indiana University um, in uh, folklore studies. He's a folk... Uh, folk what, what did you say it was again? Um, well, yeah, it, it's folkloristics. Is folkloristics. The, the Department of uh, Folklore and Ethnomusicology. Wow. But I, I think I'm a, a post-folklorist. Do you, even dare, do you even dare put that on your resume? It seems like that might be... <laughs> I, I have an undergraduate yeah. degree in linguistics, so I'm kind of in the same boat. Linguistics? What are you doing here? So uh, right. it's, well, it's hard to get a job sometimes. Hopefully I don't have to worry about that resume too much. I, I've got a good job right now that's in a completely different industry and uh, living in Tokyo. So I, I, I look back at the days in folklore with fondness, but it, it also seems like another lifetime ago, uh, really. Yeah, and, and like you said, Glenn's joining us this morning um, from Japan. Yeah. Okay, we're going to talk about something that um, Glenn did some of his uh, graduate work on, which is humor in the Mormon paradigm. Of course, um, like everybody, he, Mormons tell jokes, um, and uh, most of them are lame, but we'll come back to that later. <laughs> and um, so, so Glenn's going to help walk us through the discussion as we uh, tell a few lame Mormon jokes and uh, talk about Mormon humor. Well, first of all, Glenn, maybe you could start us out by what makes something, I, I guess it's what makes it what makes something in the Mormon paradigm or in a culture funny? What is the, the, the soul of this sort of humor? I don't know. That, that's a really good question. I, it, it, when I was researching it, it was different to different people. You know, there's a lot of theories out there of what makes something funny. I, one, one that I liked the best was a, a Thomas Hobbes uh, quote that said that uh, laughter is the sudden euphoria or the sudden glory that comes from a sudden realization of eminence or superiority over things. So some, sometimes if, if you see somebody like slip on a banana pill or you know, run into a, a sign and, and you laugh, you might laugh because you're glad that's not you. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's why I laugh. There. Yeah. Or I imagine that it's me and I'm so glad it's not. And it's just funny. Yeah. yeah, I heard somebody tongue in cheek once say that laughter evolved because it's the make something makes you smile and sad at the same time, and that comes out as a funny noise. Huh, huh, <laughs> huh. So uh, it's like a hybrid emotion, but of course, any scientist can make anything fun seem lame. Yeah, and and I mean that that's exactly what happened with me when I was uh, studying Mormon humor. You know, I, I got into it thinking this will be fun. You know, I had a friend that was teaching a humor course, and he would put The Simpsons and Seinfeld in his syllabus. And I thought, that would be great, you know, if I could get on my resume that I, I have a, a doctoral degree in humor, then I can teach classes like this. Uh, but the more I studied it and got into to theories of why things are funny uh, or looking at techniques, what makes it funny, it, it made humor lo a lot less funny. <laughs> <laughs> now, you were telling me as part of your research, um, you actually constructed a survey and asked Mormons about um, particular humorous things. Is that right? Yeah, I, I collected jokes randomly from the Internet, uh, a, a lot of them. Uh, some were uh, stories that I had been told from people uh, at, at church, and some were um, experience that I'd witnessed. But I, I wanted to get groups of Mormons together and uh, ask them, if they thought they were funny, and if they thought they were funny, why did they think they were funny? Or if if they weren't funny, uh, were they uh, offensive? You know, and just try to to capture uh, their response to it. I, I don't know if that was really the most effective 
approach getting into humor. But, um, you know, in, in preparation for our discussion uh, tonight, I went back and listened to some of those tapes, you know, and I did this seven or eight years ago. And it was really interesting, actually, to hear the, the different perspectives from, you know, you'd, you'd have somebody who was, uh, you know, true believing Mormon, uh, what what they would think, you know, a, a guy who had been uh, a bishop, a state president, had served several missions uh, with his wife, and uh, you know, his his response to jokes was very different than uh, somebody in their early twenties who uh, you know came from uh, a partially active family, um, you know, and, and had different backgrounds, or uh, someone that I had interviewed that had been inactive for a while and had come back to the church. Um, and, and she thought things were funny for different reasons. So I could, I could read the same joke to these people and get different responses from it. That was kind of interesting. So could you give us a few examples of, of ones that stick out from that survey that illustrate yeah. those, those different, um, portions? Yeah, there was, there was one joke that, um, You've got a, a, a bishopric that goes hunting, and they're sitting around a campfire, and the bishop reaches into his backpack and you know, pulls out a, a cup of coffee <laughs> and uh, says, guys, I, I'm sorry, when I get out here, I've got one vice, I've just got to enjoy coffee. And the first counselor reaches into his backpack and says, don't worry, bishop, you know, when I come out here, I've got to drink a cold beer. And the second counselor reaches into his backpack and says, yeah, guys, I, when I come out here, I've got to enjoy a nice cigar. And then they're all looking at the uh, executive secretary, waiting for him to say something. And finally he says, yeah, guys, I, I admit it. I've got a, a vice, too. I'm a really big gossip, and I can't wait to get back to the ward and tell everybody what you guys just said. <laughs> and so I, I, I would read this joke, and they laughed, uh, you know, when – when I, I read this to the guy who had been, uh, you know, state president, uh, served many missions, he laughed. And uh, then I asked him, so how would you write this? Would you say this is very funny, moderately funny, uh, not funny, or offensive? And he goes, ha, ha, ha. oh, yeah, that's not funny. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't want him to it, go on record as saying oh. funny, even though. No, and it Why was so interesting to me because he had clearly laughed. But then he said it was not funny, and so I asked him, "Why is it not funny?" And he said, "Well, you know, I've I've been a bishop, and I've I've worked with people. They're good people, and maybe they have some some vices, but I don't think those should be mocked and ridiculed. In fact, can I change my answer? I I think this is offensive. Actually, you know. So uh, so he changed yeah, that, it that's, to that's, offensive, huh? Yeah, he switched it to offensive. Wow. There was there was another joke that was. Uh, kind of interesting to me. I, I don't think it's a very funny joke at all. Um, I don't really get it. it but uh, a, a guy dies. He goes to heaven. He sees St. Peter. St. Peter's touring him around. And he takes him to the edge of a cliff. And he says, you know, if you, if you look over the cliff, you'll see down into hell. But I would advise that you not look down. And uh, the guy can't help himself. He looks over the cliff and he sees these beautiful green valleys. And, uh, you know, it's all growing. It's 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 lovely. And he says to Peter, this looks great down here. And Peter takes a look over and he goes, oh, damn it. Those Mormons have been irrigating again. And perfect response. That's how I feel really... about it. <laughs> so how did and, other and, people? Yeah. So so when, when I would ask what their response was, um, there was one guy who said he really liked that joke because um, of the he, – he had – ancestors who were pioneers and you know he imagined how difficult it was when the pioneers came out to salt lake and they were able to irrigate and turn it into this uh you know beautiful paradise so he really identified with the joke and he liked it um the the his his wife who had been um inactive for for several years while she was in college she liked it because the mormons were in hell <laughs> Yeah. And you know the the her husband hadn't even thought of that that angle. Uh, you know somebody else liked it because they thought it was funny that Saint Peter would say "damn." <laughs> uh, there there are just different reasons that you know people would would look at this joke and and think that it was funny or wasn't funny, and and it all tied back to their own sense of 
identity, their own sense of values. Um, and and I, I found that very interesting as I was researching it. But, you know, obviously I, I stopped writing the dissertation halfway through. It, it became a little cumbersome to, to write about it and try and make it seem, uh, I don't know, more important maybe than it really is. But, but it's, uh, it, it's, it's an interesting topic. Definitely. Now, now you hit on something in that joke that I, I had taken a little note of, um, uh, and I'm going to go back to my father. Now, I have to apologize to everybody listening to this thing. I am the worst joke teller who ever <laughs> ever roamed the face of this earth, so I, I apologize in advance. But there's an old joke that my dad used to say, and it was a, a Jay Golden Kimball one, and that's a topic for a whole other day. But you know, the Jay Golden um, liked to uh, like to use a little bit of the uh, the uh, foul language from time to time, and. The, the, from my father's telling of the joke, he was asked, um, you know, why don't the brethren get after you for swearing in conference? And the answer is, well, I print, repent too damn fast. Right. Now, the reason that was funny is my dad never swore, right? <laughs> but he would tell this joke all, I mean, I must have heard him tell it 30 times in my lifetime, the, the, the I repent too damn fast um, punchline. So I think there was like this license for him in telling the yeah. joke to, to um, breach sort of a, 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 a cultural norm. And that's part of what made it funny. That's part of what made it funny. Because he, saying. yeah. Um, and that's one of the first um, points that I have. Uh, you know, if you watch Comedy Central or whatever, it doesn't take too long to figure out the humor is largely about shock, about um, yeah. saying something that's outside the normal or unexpected or ironic in that way. So Mormons are at a huge disadvantage here, and this, this kind of shadowed in, in the jokes you were talking about, because you can't be a good Mormon and be too shocking, or the stake president might tell you that, um, you know, it's inappropriate to, uh, to joke about the brethren like that. And of course, um, the, the, the cloud over all that is, you know, in the, in the temple, the Mormons are told to avoid loud laughter, and that's something that has bled over into the culture outside the temple, so... But, you know, there's this thing that whatever loud laughter is, you're not supposed to do it. Yeah, and I, I think you mentioned the unexpected. And uh, when, when you first asked me, uh, you know, what is funny, what, what makes humor, I, I talked about superiority theory. But, but there's another theory of humor called the incongruity theory that's based on this idea of what's expected. You, know, you get something in humor that's different from what you expected, so you've got an incongruity. And, and that's a space that it, it, it makes it really interesting to study humor, you know, because you can learn what people's expectations are, and that helps them, or, or helps you understand how they uh, define their identity. So you've got uh, these prescriptions against humor, uh, like you mentioned in the temple, and there's a couple of passages in the Doctrine and Covenants that also say, um, you know, avoid light-mindedness and, and loud laughter. Um, and, you know, my, my experience in Mormonism hasn't, I mean, that, yeah, there, there's people that are really serious and really staunch, but I've, I've always been around people that have a pretty good sense of humor. The, the jokes, like you mentioned, can be pretty lame, but some of the things that, that actually happen in church can be very funny. And, uh, it comes on your own uh, perspective where you're coming from. But if I, if I can give an example of that, just from, from yesterday um, in, in our ward here in, in Tokyo, and, and I should probably preface this by saying that, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm one of those guys, may, maybe a little bit like, like Tom, if, if I understand from, from Tom right, that you, you go to church and you don't always agree with everything that people says, and sometimes you have that experience where, there's the uh, you know nails scratching against the the chalkboard thing that you hear people say, but but every once in a while you hear something that's so ridiculous that it, it's funny and it, it it almost makes it easier to uh, to cope with. So yesterday there was a, a guy that uh, got up to to bear his testimony, and he was talking about an experience he had over the weekend with the Boy Scouts, where they for, for an Eagle Scout project they went and uh, cleaned out a uh, shack that was in the backside of a school, I think it was. But he, but he decided to make a point about this. And he said, you know, I think that we all have a backside. And we all need to clean out our backsides regularly. And we need to, to buff them. <laughs> we need to power wash them and, and scrub them. And, you know, we shouldn't neglect our front sides either, but our backsides are really important. And he had no idea 
you know, how, how ridiculous this was he was saying. You're selling um, Enema products. Yeah, <laughs> it's fantastic. But I, I think that's absolutely true. You know, some people out who don't have any contact with Mormons sometimes confuse them with like a, a sort of dour Amish looking person. But I, I think you're right on that, that as a culture, Mormons tend to be rather open and rather rather friendly and lighthearted and light lighthearted. And, yeah, but, I think it, I think it's the the temple thing. They always combine it with the sentence that comes right after that about. Um, you know, not speaking about the leaders in a in a mean or joking way. Do you think yeah. that's that's kind of more how they take the the thing in the temple? Yeah, and and I I would point back to that example that I gave of the uh, former state president. You know, in his response to the joke, the the more he analyzed this joke about the bishop and his counselors, the the closer he got to oh maybe this is evil speaking. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. So I've always found that that uh, Mormons on general, and I've always been proud about this, but I don't know if we're different than any other group, tend to tend to like a good joke about ourselves, and and we pride ourselves in the fact that we can see humor in our daily in our daily lives. Is that go along with what you found, or do you? Is, does it only humorous up to that certain aspect where they can take offense in it? Well, I think I think that's you know. Exactly right. That there is this, um, you know, sense of it, that, that it's healthy to be able to laugh about yourself and not take yourself too seriously. I, I heard people say that a lot. But what what was interesting to me is there the, the line about where what you can joke about and who you can joke about. It I think it's defined more by the group and the audience than really the content in some situations where. If if you're telling a joke um, about polygamy to uh, Mormons, it's okay. You can kind of laugh about it. But when non-Mormons are the audience, it becomes offensive. And if if you look at uh, oh that what was that movie the the Singles Ward that that came out, th- that was something that that really uh, struck me as odd with with that movie. That here's a comedy that. It's bread and butter is, is humor. And a lot of the jokes were kind of just, you know, stupid nerd jokes. But there are, were some legitimate Mormon jokes in there as well, um, you know, that, that speak to the culture. You know, when he has the people in the ward coming to, to reactivate him and bringing him casseroles or whatever that was. You know, that I, I would say that that's Mormon humor because it's from the Mormon experience. But he, you've got this movie that takes its bread and butter making Mormon jokes. But the conflict of the movie is that he's a comedian who's telling Mormon jokes to non-Mormons in a comedy club. And this, you know, girlfriend that he has, she she decides, you know, I I can't be with this guy because he's telling jokes to non-Mormons about Mormons. So it it seemed really strange to me that it it kind of wanted to have its cake and eat it too, uh, you know, to use a proverb I've never understood. Well, I know this came up uh, recently uh, in our family. I, one of the boards I f- frequent, uh, I guess there was a new little statue from, from Mormonhood put out, and it's basically a statue of Joseph and Emma, and then it says true love down on the on the tagline. And somebody, what they'd done is they'd taken the Emma and photoshopped it, so there was like 10 or 15 Emmas standing right <laughs> next to her. And uh-huh. oh my gosh, my wife and I laughed about that she, as I was as we were falling asleep. You know, six hours, seven hours later, after I showed it to her, I caught her chuckling in bed, and I said, "You're laughing about that statue again, aren't you?" She, we were just busting up about that thing. But then at the same time, I agree if if that got shown on a billboard somewhere or or something like that, it, there would probably be all this. Oh, oh, look at how they're mocking Joseph Smith. You know, so. Yeah. I don't know. It's it's the audience. It's the people who would understand it and find humor of it, and it probably makes a big difference of where you find your offense. Yeah, you know, one one of the things that I did early on in folk, I I had a website that was dedicated to missionary folklore and Mormon folklore, and this was probably from ninety ninety seven until uh, maybe two thousand two thousand one, and one of the one of the comments that I would get back from you know, criticism uh, was that I was airing dirty laundry for the church. You know, that, that there were some stories that 
they, they were good. They should be talked about, but it wasn't for everyone. And uh, so I, I think when, when you have an audience that's non-Mormon, Mormons tend to be a little more skittish um, than, than they would if it's just themselves. And I think you see that in, in the humor as well. Well, and, and we were talking sort of about appropriateness. I noticed in, in my uh, online research to find um, jokes and, and to look at it for preparing for tonight that there seemed to be some things that were clearly off limits. So there's a lot of jokes dealing with Mormon culture, a lot of jokes dealing with missionaries, um, you know, making fun of the elders or the Relief Society or whatever. But I, I never found one that was making fun of a, a general authority. So that that Mormon, you know, or I, I, I couldn't find very many that dealt with um, doctrine. Now, I compare that. I also looked at a lot of um, Catholic jokes and some Baptist jokes. And um, I, some of the other faiths were a little bit... Um, Oh, willing to poke fun at their own theology a little bit more than than I could find with with Mormons. Now that's not to say there aren't those jokes out there, but I had a rougher time finding them. Yeah, um, I can think of a couple uh, that that I came across. Um, th th this one's always puzzled me. Um, where, and I'm trying to remember exactly how it goes, but it's something like I've got good news and I've got bad news. Or, or I think maybe the secretary for President Hinckley, you know, back when he was the prophet, walks in and says, President Hinckley, I've got good news and bad news. Uh, Christ has called uh, the second coming. Uh, that's the good news. The bad news is he's called the Vatican. Yeah. The, so, something, something like that. Does that sound familiar to you? Here's the way I always heard the joke. Uh, the Pope secretary comes into him and says, I've got good news and bad news. And, and he yeah. says, oh, what is it? She says, uh, well, um, you know, Jesus is on the line. And he says, oh, great, what's the bad news? And, the, and then she says, well, he's calling from Salt Lake City. That's, right, right. That's what and, I and that one, I understand, because it's, it's in that superiority theory, it's saying, right. you know, well, the, the Mormons are superior than the Catholics. But when I've heard that told the opposite way, it's really puzzled me. <laughs> I, I haven't understood why, um, why a Mormon would be telling that joke to another Mormon. Um, and, and there are some examples of that. There's another one with uh, uh, somebody dying, going to heaven, and they're being uh, showed the different areas and saying, oh, this is where the Lutherans are, the Catholics are, and now we're going to be coming over uh, a hill, and I need you to be very quiet because this is where the Mormons are, and they think that they're the only ones here. Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, that's more... And, and, and that was pretty critical. Yeah, of, that's more kind of, of poking fun of, of ourselves. Yeah. Well, but it's I, you know, I, I've heard that one all my life, and I, there, there, there's some really interesting aspects to it. First of all, it's, um, it's safe because it says, well, you know, Mormons are in heaven, you know, I, and I, right. I have oftentimes heard it said they're behind a wall, or you know, they're in their own little section. But it points to that sort of universalism that I think is common in our culture today, where I think a lot of Mormons are uneasy with they believe their own religion and they believe they have a true church, but they're uneasy with that you know, everybody else is going to hell, this is the only true church thing, and this kind of gets around that, that, that universalism. Yeah. I, I should have had you write my dissertation for me, John. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just repairing, repeating back what you're already saying. <laughs> <laughs> we talked about superiority, and there's, there's quite a few of, of those um, uh, mixed with um, a little bit of deprecation. I want to kind of move over and talk about the deprecation a little bit, and I actually found one joke that I, I really liked. Um, and this one said, a, you know, a Catholic priest went into a barber shop for a haircut, and when he's finished, the barber refused payment and said, you know, you're you're a man of the cloth, this is free, and um, I'm just going to give it to you. And the priest thanked him and went on his way. And the next mor morning, the barber found um, seven fishes and seven loaves outside his doorstep as as a gift of gratitude from the priest. And then the next week, uh, a Jewish rabbi came in and asked for a haircut, and again, the barber gave it to him and refused payment. And uh, says, this is a free service I offer to you in service to the Lord. And the next morning, the barber found uh, a, a nice gift from the rabbi on his doorstep. And then the next week, um, two missionaries came into the shop for haircuts. And again, the barber said, you know, you guys are out um, serving God, so I refuse payment. And so the next morning, the barber came and found 12 missionaries at his doorstep waiting for <laughs> haircuts. So, yeah. So, I mean, there are some self-deprecating ones, and everybody who's, you know, been around missionaries, of course, sort of gets that one. And like I said before, yeah. you know, missionaries are a common target, probably deservingly yeah. so. And from what I understood, and this, this comes from, you know, secondhand to secondhand to secondhand, so I don't know if it's actual true story, but 
it always starts out. And this is a true story. So this woman sat next to her sister in sacrament meeting and it's sacrament time and, and the deacon passes the bread tray around and it comes up to him and, and the woman uh, that's sitting next to her sister reaches into the bread tray, grabs a piece of bread that's kind of on the bottom and starts to pull it up. And sure enough, the piece of bread is about half the size of her palm. <laughs> and she, she's a real awkward and she looks around and she feels everybody staring at her and she's, She's like, oh, what do I do? Do I keep it? Do I put it back? That's not good. And so she keeps it and she leans over to her sister and says, would you happen to have any ham and mayo with you? (laughs) (laughs) And and of course they start laughing and then half the pew starts laughing and then there's a bunch of awkward stares and blah, blah, blah. So That, that could possibly be true. (laughs) <laughs> it would be pretty sacrilegious, though. You're right. That sounds you know, like our family in, in sacrament meeting any given week. We'll find something funny that's said, and we'll start cracking up about it. So, Well, and in our ward just a couple of weeks ago, well, maybe it was more like a couple of months ago, they they ran out of bread, and at the last minute they had to run and get some, and it ended up being some of that sourdough bread that was really, really hard. Mm. And so everybody was chewing the bread <laughs> way after the water was come and gone. <laughs> So, yeah. you know, speaking of sacramenting, it is really, really common for, you know, as the, all the lay members get up to give their talks to start with a joke. I, I mean, I would guess a good half of them start that way. Yeah. And the, and the um, visiting authorities, what are they called? The, the, the high councilman. Yeah. The high councilman. They usually start with a joke. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of gone away. I think there's been a lot of discouragement from doing that. Really? Yeah. I don't, maybe well, just the West Coast. I know that, what's that? No, go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to say, I think the reason why it's dying away is because the jokes have never been really any good. <laughs> Could kind of one of those, kind of one of those wah 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 moments, you know. So, um, speaking of the jokes that make fun of uh, Mormon culture, I, I found a really common theme out there were the light bulb jokes. Oh yes. So, of course, um, um, how many Relief Society sisters does it take to screw in a light bulb? It's Come one on. and then five to bring refreshments or something like yeah. that. Yeah, one to fix refreshments and one to bring the tablecloth and one to design oh, the, f- the centerpiece and one to screw in the light bulb. <laughs> uh. oh, okay. See, that one's funny to me. Um, <laughs> uh, how, how many members of the bishopric does it take to screw in a light bulb? Um, none. They, they delegate it out or something? They don't do it. They call a priesthood executive council and assign it to the elders. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, how many elders does it take to screw in a light bulb? The answer is four. It's, three to not show up and one to bring and do the light bulb. That's right. That's right. <laughs> um, how many high priests does it take? The answer is four. Two to push the wheelchairs, one to handle the oxygen tank, and one to screw in the light bulb. Uh, uh, now, hey, you, guys are both, you guys are both high priests, aren't you? No, yes. I'm, I'm I'll say the last one. Okay, so... How many home teachers does it take? Uh, it'd probably know. take uh, the whole ward because the home teachers never showed up. Well, them. actually, it, it only takes two, but you have to wait until the end of the month. Uh, uh, that reminds me yeah. of another home teacher joke. So, so, so two guys are talking about their home teachers, and one says, hey, I have pretty good home teachers um, um, because they always uh, come on the first day of the month. The other says, well, mine are better than that. They always come one day before that. <laughs> Uh. <laughs> yeah, I've been there, done that. We've heard that one a couple of times. <laughs> All right, um, I, I want to talk a little bit about Utah humor. I, I found um, I found a lot of uh, jokes um, looking through the Mormon stuff was really aimed at Utah. Now um, there seems to be that inside and outside thing, kind of Glenn that you were hinting at before. Um, y- the Utah people kind of poke fun at themselves a little bit. But there seems to be a trend for people outside of uh, of, of the holy state there to, to be a little bit more vicious in their Utah jokes. <laughs> yeah. I, I can't think of any examples of that off the top of my head, but I'd agree with you. Well, then you could get into the Utah BYU jokes, too. Yes, yes, there's a lot of, B- of BYU jokes. Um, I, 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 there's a lot that are around making fun of Utah accent. Um, yeah. Um, like what? Well, my uh, dad used to, to talk, call it a crick. Oh, the crick. I've heard cricks used for years. And the toilet? Have you ever heard the toilet? <laughs> the <laughs> toilet? No, I've not heard the toilet before. <laughs> but I believe it. That's anybody from uh, 
uh, Lehigh and North. Oh yeah. Say Turlet, yeah. Tor Turlet, Torlet. I always hear Hurricane or Hurricane. Well, it's Hurricane, of course. Hurricane. For for the city, right? Yeah. Did did, did you all grow up in Utah? Uh, I did. I did. Yeah. I didn't. Yeah, I didn't I, either. Yeah, but I think my favorite uh, Utah joke was uh, that there's a, a sign when you're driving into the state that says, now entering Utah, set clock back 100 years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, that was always the joke when I was growing up, because if you wanted to see what the fashions were in Utah, you just looked at what they were in California five years earlier. Which, <laughs> which is true. <laughs> That's probably still true. Yeah. So, so one of my funny, one of the, uh, this actually happened to my sister. Um, she, they're in sacrum meeting and their two year old little boy is acting up in sacrum meeting and starts screaming and causing a ruckus. And, uh, she grabs him and whips him up and starts taking him out and he starts screaming louder. And, and, uh, then he starts screaming at the top of his lung, Bishop, save me. Oh, hey, Bishop, yeah. save me. And, he uh, everybody made a scene. I've uh, I've heard that attributed to lots of people. Yeah, though. me too. Yeah, my, yeah. my family said it happened <laughs> in their own just, ward. Are you sure, Tom? That happened to your sister? That's what she told me. That, so maybe my, she's making it up. But. Where did they well, live? Because that happened to my family too. <laughs> it probably happens to a lot of people. I don't know. Well, well we, we live in a American Fork. In, I'm sorry, talking over you, Zola. Sorry. Go ahead. Well, I was just wondering where your sister lived for for real. In the up in Salt Lake in the avenues. Huh. That is odd, isn't it? Because my family told I, me that that happened. They told me even the child's name. It, prob it probably has happened to multiple people. but You know, yeah, it's, it's one of those phenomena with folklore that w the, the person who tells you about it kind of gets confused for the person that it happened to. And, and that, that's a pretty common thing. It, when, when you go back and actually start trying to trace back the origins of stories, You'll have people say, you know, like you did, Tom, oh, this this actually happened to my sister. If we went and talked to your sister, she she would probably say, well, no, it didn't actually happen to us, but it happened she, to somebody that we know. It's very likely. <laughs> it's very likely. Although yeah. I've got to tell you, Tom, when when uh, uh, Gladys Knight joined the church <laughs> and my, my mother-in-law called me up and said, did you hear that Gladys Knight joined the church? I went, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So so does Steve Martin. So does, you know, all these other celebrities that are <laughs> I was all skeptical, and you know, she proved me wrong. So it's possible. Okay, how about how about this folklore story? And you can tell me whether you guys have heard this one or not. So this uh, this new member of the church, he he's in his twenties. He's a single male. He converts over, but he's kind of a flamboyant kind of a guy. And so he he start he gets into the church. Of course, he's kind of he's a play guy. He he goes to plays. He's an actor. And, so that's, you know, that's kind of reminiscent of his flamboyancy, I guess. Well, he converts in, and, of course, he plays the piano and the organ. So the first calling he gets is uh, to become the organ player for sacrament meeting. And so a couple weeks later, it's Halloween, and he's not exactly toned down on the, uh, on the flamboyancy, and he shows up in this big cape um, with his white shirt and tie, but he's got this big black cape on, and he goes up to the organ, and the prelude music before the sacrament actually starts, he starts playing uh, the Phantom of the Opera. <laughs> I think I know this guy. Really? No. <laughs> and so he's like. so he's playing this dun, 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 dun. And, and the bishopric and everybody in the ward's too uncomfortable to actually say anything. Like, hey, that's not appropriate, blah, blah, blah. So he does his thing. And, and right when the bishop uh, gets up and kind of looks at him, okay, enough's enough. And he stands up, and he bows, and then he does the big twirl with the clay cape. <laughs> and that—that's wow. supposed to have really happened, huh? That's supposed to have really happened. And and to me, I don't really care because I think it's a great story. Yeah, well, it's a great story. I had a I had a guy in my ward who moved because they wouldn't let him play that kind of music at church and get really really big. And they they came down on him, so he moved out and moved to Utah where he thought they'd have a little bit more. Um, ability to do stuff like that so i could see that okay so I, oh sorry go ahead 
Oh, I was just going to say I, that there was an organist in my ward who would play that music. You know, would, I, I remember it, it for postlude music at the end of the sacrament meeting, we'd get this, duh, 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 <laughs> and it was the most bizarre thing I ever heard, but it was fantastic. Yeah. All right. So, um, of course, the big target of uh, humor is, uh, the biggest target is the cultural strangeness. Um, so... So I wanted to, to investigate some of that a little bit. And um, uh, probably the good, the basic uh, form of delivery is those you might be a Mormon if sort of things. Um, and it's interesting to see kind of where they they uh, they uh, group up, where they, they, they sort of conglomerate. Um, and, and the ones, of course, that I find funny and not. Now, I, I might find them funny. I'm, of course, of course, a cultural Mormon. I grew up there um, and maybe... I'm a little bit more mean spirited now in, in my humor. I don't since I don't go to church anymore. I don't know, and I, I find a lot of these try to make fun of the church in a loving sort of way. So, so f or 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 a, a superiority. We were talking about that early. So here's an example of a superiority one. You might be a Mormon if all of your dishes have uh, masking tape on the bottom of them. Now, um, you don't. No, I don't get it. You don't get it. No. <laughs> what? You, you might be a Mormon if all of your like casserole dishes have masking tape on oh. the bottom. Oh. A label because you write yeah. your names on them because you because it's because you're you see you're so generous that you're constantly giving your your casserole uh -huh. dishes to other people and then it has your name written on it. Okay, uh, uh, I get it. I didn't say it was a good joke. I said it was common. <laughs> <laughs> um, you might be a Mormon if you've ever used the phrase "with every fiber of my being." Yeah. Now, of course, Mormon. Now, uh, I I've, we've mentioned before that we go to the the Unitarian Church, kind of, and. Um, <laughs> I, I've never been enough to figure out if there's any sort of phrases that Unitarians use all the time, but there's all there's a whole bunch of them for I was about to say there's a whole host of them. <laughs> there's a whole bunch of them that Mormons use and those show up in the in the in the humor a lot. For example, um it says you might be a Mormon if you ever blessed cake or cookies or donuts saying, Please bless this food that it'll nourish and strengthen our bodies. <laughs> it's those phrases I can't figure sometimes how they get pervasive no matter where you live. Um, they, they have moved around and probably they were either even in different languages and stuff like that by now. Are they, are they in Japan? Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Do they say bless the food to nourish and strengthen our bodies? In the, I, I don't think the Japanese don't, but the Japanese do have, uh, I mean, we're going back years ago that I would pray in Japanese, but, but I do remember there were set phrases, um, but I don't remember what they were. And I don't know how they correspond to uh, nourish and strengthen our bodies. Huh. Do you hear that every with the fiber of my every being or whatever with that every is? Every fiber of my being. I know my roommate is true. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that, yeah. that's another one that there's some jokes making fun of is the word companion. You know, that uh, Mormons will use right. the word companion to refer to a friend or um, leftover from missionary time. I've never heard him refer to a friend, but go, go there's ahead. a lot of the ways that, that we use language that it's just kind of a Mormon way of using language. And when you use it outside of a Mormon context, people look at you a little strange. I, I remember uh, we had some friends uh, were not Mormon over to the house and they brought some coffee with them. And uh, he asked my wife if, if she wanted to drink a coffee. And she said, oh, no, we don't believe in coffee. And he, he looked at her a little strange, and he, he kind of held it up to her face. He said, it's right here. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Yeah, it just made me think. Now, well, we don't think about what we're saying. We just say it. When I, when I was in Utah and I worked at a company there, I have to admit it was a hobby of mine to try to drop little Mormon turns of phrases, especially when we were doing um, presentations out on the road. So if I could pull a little phrase from, say, the temple and drop it into a presentation, see, then I could make my the other people with me laugh and no one else would get it. Um, I, I, I still I've do that, that from time. I've done that a lot. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I'm not the only one, but um, I still do that from time to time where I work now, but the satisfaction has lost because I throw in a Mormon phrase and no one gets it but me, so I have to just laugh to myself. <laughs> I'll, I'll regularly try and slip in, you know, uh, or something like that. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I might have to cut that one. <laughs> um, so, so I saw a lot of um, uh, speaking of Mormon themes, a lot of jokes dealing with the the, the word of wisdom. Of course, we just talked yeah. about the coffee and, and kind of the silliness there. You know, when you might be a Mormon if you're 300 pounds and don't drink diet coke because it's unhealthy. 
<laughs> That's a good one. Those are good. I always like hearing those. Because they those are the ones that really do throw um, throw our our things back at us a little bit, and they they there's that ring of truth. It shows us the irony in certain beliefs. Yeah, yeah, that's the those are the ones that are always kind of fun. Now, one of the last things I wanna I want to explore with you guys, and and actually Glenn brought it up a little bit um, earlier, but I wanna I wanna return to it, and that is the sort of official outlets of of Mormon um, comedy and and Mormon jokes and that. And Glenn, you were talking about the Singles Ward, and and you, you you were talking about how they explored that 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 comedy thing. I actually found that part of the show a little bit intriguing. Um, I mean, I'm assuming they didn't just stumble on it. The fact that they were exploring Mormon humor from both sides, that, that like, like you said, when, when the comedian was telling jokes to the outside, in the end, he perceives that that's sort of a bad thing to do, even though yeah. the whole movie is, is, a, is about that humor. So it's, it's that, that movie is really about that border keeping of what's appropriate inside and outside. Um, so, so we can talk about that a little bit. You kind of already did, but the other thing I want to I wanted to really get your your all opinion on is how the Mormon um, joke engine, the movies just sort of died. It's like they, they they ran their course. You know, by by the time the home teacher came around, it was much more sticky and not nearly as funny. And they just don't make these movies anymore. Is it is it real? When I compare it to say, um, I don't know. There, there's more Mormons in the United States than there are Jews. But there seems to be a never-ending wealth of Jewish humor and Jewish um, cinema and Jewish art. Why did we run our, our run so quickly? Why did we run out of material? Well, have you seen the movies? They suck. <laughs> <laughs> Good point. Is it less funding? It, do, do they suck because they suck, or do they suck because of the material they're working with? It was probably well, some of both. but in, in the Jewish humor, I mean, and maybe it's cultural Judaism, too, I don't. But they're not so concerned about um, putting an image of one true church and being an example and doing missionary work for everyone. So I, I think that's a big hindrance in in Mormon culture. If you're going to do some kind of Mormon art and you're going to be honest about it, you, you can't cover up all of the the warts. Mm -hmm. And that's what so I, I think. You, you know, you, you look at something like Big Love, which isn't. Uh, you know the, the HBO series Big Love, which isn't part of you know official or mainstream Mormon culture, but I think it's a, a excellent example of you know Mormonism getting into that mainstream medium in in a much better way than any of these Mormon-made movies ever did. And maybe we'll start seeing more of that. But I, I think but there, there's still that funny. protective. What, what's that? I said it, but it's not funny. Big Love. Uh, well, I think oh, there's some great funny in it. You know, for for me, when I watch Big Love, the funniest thing is not the polygamists; it's all the regular Mormons that get portrayed in the show. That's the best part: the lawyers yeah. who show up, and um, and uh, her little friend who works at the uh, at the at the burger joint with her. Right. All the little yeah, turns of true. phrases that they have the regular Mormons say. Um, that's the best part of the show. But I've seen like on the boards and online and, and comment sections, that's the section that the Mormons take the most offense at. The way that they portray Main Street Mormons is really, I, I think back to last season where they had the barbecue um, out in the street with all with all the the members and and the, the their their neighbors who are all supposed to be members and how they behave. And I you know I think sometimes they get it off, but sometimes they get it spot on. But but a lot of Mormons find it offensive to even portray a Mormon in anything but a golden light. Right. Yeah. I agree. I don't. I think it's pretty subtle, though. I mean, you know. Now that reminds me of one other thing I'd, I'd written down here in notes that that I thought was really peculiar. Now, the Zilpha, this is your mom. Um, you know, Zilpha's mom is pretty straight-laced Mormon, but she actually sent me the clip from the South Park movie. Now, for those who haven't seen the South Park movie, there's a section where everybody's standing in hell. Hello, newcomers, and welcome. Can everybody hear me? Hello. Can everybody? Okay. Uh, I'm the hell director. Uh, it looks like we have about 8,615 of you newbies today. And for those of you who were a little confused, uh, you are dead, and this is hell. 
So abandon all hope and uh, yada yada yada. Uh, we're now going to start the orientation process, which will last about. Hey, wait a minute! I shouldn't be here. I was a totally strict and devout Protestant. I thought we went to heaven. Yes, well, I'm afraid you were wrong. I was a practicing Jehovah's Witness. Uh, you, uh, you picked, picked the wrong religion, religion as well. Well, who was right? Who gets into heaven? I'm afraid, I'm afraid it was the Mormons. Yes, yes the, the Mormons, Mormons were the correct answer. answer. It's one of those superiority <laughs> things. Yeah, yeah, and, and it's it's in in a, for the outsiders, you know, um, um, the the South Park guys are obviously not in love with the Mormons, um, but it's something that that I had a really true believing Mormon send me an email. And they thought it was it, it was really a, a confirming thing, you know. Yeah. yeah. Instead of poking fun at the Mormons for thinking that they're the only ones that made it, she really thought it was confirming, like you said. And, and you know, when, later in in one of their um, South Park episodes, where they have the whole Joseph Smith putting his hat, hat, fate, face in the hat thing, you know, that's kind of a, a litmus test to see how liberal you are, because liberal Mormons find that funny, even ones who are believing, but more conservative ones don't find it funny at all yeah i thought it was funny <laughs> it was really funny yeah that was an awesome <laughs> i think we all want to claim it now and who would come out on this podcast to say no i didn't find it funny <laughs> <laughs> oh so glenn do you, do you have any other um favorite jokes that you came across during your during your research oh there's there's and I like this one. Why do Mormon women stop having babies at 35? Because 36 is too many. <sighs> and that reminds me of the, the old lame one, which is too lame to even say, but I'll do it anyway. You know, um, how do you tell you're at a Mormon wedding? Oh, the mother and the, the pregnant. Yeah, the, the, the bride's not pregnant, but the mother, the, her mother is. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Once again, that's a, a, a lot of them have, have the, the superiority thread as opposed to the um, deprecation. And, and I, I think we, we, we summed up why that is. Uh, so I think the bottom line here to, you know, to wrap things up is, uh, is I, I think Mormons are you know, people who can take themselves lightly, but only to a point. You know, and there's like some real boundaries there that you're not allowed to cross. Um, of course, we've tried to cross as many of them as we can tonight. Um, does anybody have a general authority joke? So we can cross them all. <laughs> Do they exist? And I, I have to give I have to give a, a wag of my finger in Stephen Colbert style to my um, <clears throat> to all my ex Mormon friends out there. I looked at your um, humor pages, and a lot of the stuff is just too mean to to, to be on the, this this podcast. You know, the ex Mormon humor needs to needs to step it up, and uh, uh, a, a lot of it was just. I don't know, sort of vicious. You're looking for more sophistication? Yeah, a little bit more sophistication in your humor. <laughs> I know, I don't have it offhand. Maybe we could get it and stick it in somehow. But there was one that came out recently where um, a talk or a subject is given and taken by each one of the general authorities. Um, and, it, and it ends up poking some fun at them because, you know, um, Thomas Monson comes out and says, you know, hearts were were uh true a widow was as heart was gladdened recipes <laughs> were shared and everybody you know and so it just took their individual styles i don't know if we could really quickly grab that one but that that in my mind goes after some some ga humor um but yeah it, that's it, true it, that there is some um humor around how they speak their their right. idiosyncrasies yeah yeah but I, i've seen that mostly from you know the ex-mormons as opposed to to inside yeah I, no this was actually like at mormon times or somewhere like that i mean it was definitely a pro hmm, i i don't think it's from mormon times maybe maybe i'm wrong in that one there was a professor that i had at byu in the english department i don't remember his name now but he he would do impersonations in class, and he, he would do President Kimball, and he would do Thomas S. Monson, and, and you know he had that whole conference speak thing down, and and he would get us rolling. That was, that was great when they do that. <laughs> yeah, I, I doubt he had commit that to tape, but you know this Probably reminds not. me of uh, you know what was it six five or six years ago now maybe not that long when L. Tom Perry was talking up to the state conference in Idaho, um, in which. He gave a sort of a talk when he talked about all the brethren eat chocolates in order. And, um, you know, he said some stuff that for a lot of people, when they read it, 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 it went all over the Mormon world in email. And then the church issued a statement saying, stop sending that email. Um, but 
I think one thing that that did is it portrayed the brethren in a very like human sort of light. It, it made them seem more like regular people, but um, they 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 squashed it pretty quick. That um, was the Kit Kat joke, right? It was it was how do they eat a Kit Kat? I think it, I well, thought it was a box of chocolates. Well, I've seen that, one, but this one he was just saying that when they do everything in order. And when they eat a box of chocolates, they pass it to the first guys. And he kind of grumbled that um, Packer always gets the best choice because he's first in line. And then if you're down at the bottom of the line of the twelve, you you it it, it made them seem a little petty, like they all were all like worried about this legalistic thing. He talked about how they all came in the room in order and left the room in order and that sort of thing. Well, you know, I, I think that the the interesting thing, if if I were still doing this, I, I'd be really interested to see how. People use humor as a way to broach topics that are taboo topics, and and you know because you do have people that are still active in the church that you know are like the the New Order Mormons or they're more liberal Mormons, and they have to find a space where they can comment on things. I, I wouldn't be surprised that humor is is one of those spaces, or, or that humor creates that space where you can make commentaries and, and be a little bit critical, but then back up and say, "Oh, come on, I'm just kidding." It's just a joke. You know, I'm, I'm kind of glad you brought that up because, you know, I, I was just a minute ago making fun of my uh, ex-Mormon brethren. But that that sort of using humor to um, for, for, for ex-Mormons to break the sacred becomes a very important thing in their, in their step out. And, you know, you can go over to like the Salamander Society uh, as a website, for example, where there, there's a real purpose there. And humor is used by ex-Mormons to sort of throw off their, um, their um, I don't want to say mental chains, but they get stuck in this, this idea of what, what's right and what's wrong and, and being forced between the, the worlds. And using humor helps them reframe those sort of things. So, for yeah. in, you know, in, in the barest sense, you know, if they can take somebody they held to be very venerable, like the brethren, and then they can use the most sort of despicable comedy um, at their expense that helps them reset and reframe. Yeah, and, and isn't that interesting that, you know, you've got this thing that we're calling humor as if it's one thing that can be used by Mormons for Mormons to kind of pat yourself on the back and create a really strong sense of identity. But then you've got ex-Mormons that can use the same, this thing we're calling humor as a way of creating distance and, uh, you know, stripping away these things that were sacred and, uh, you know, taking them out of the sacred and putting them into the profane. Uh, that, that That's what interested me about humor all those years ago but uh, yeah de definitely interesting probably uh probably a, a topic for another day to explore hex mormon humor yeah. all, right, all right glenn thanks for coming on it's been a it's been a fun uh, time and uh i laughed a little bit at some of the lame jokes <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks for having me on I, I enjoy your podcast and listen to them as much as i can wonderful love what you're doing great well, like always, the discussion continues on the website. Uh, you can mosey over there and post and uh, put up some more lame uh, Mormon jokes, the ones we missed. Um, you can send us an email at mail at mormonexpression.com, or you can call and leave a message at 801-906-6722.